and welcome to the Resin Jack Podcast, where I bring you all things resin flooring straight to your ears. Today's post or episode is going to look at metallic flooring designs. And there are countless different designs out there, but this one in particular was uh, a client that had had their floor done in a couple of different areas, including a garage and there's a hallway, and you can look at those in the photos. And the the finish, I guess, or the design was achieved with a roller. And um, really what you're looking at is lots of roller lines. For those of you not familiar with metallics, metallics have a tendency of showing you the direction of roller. So... If you're not doing random patterns and you're just rolling back and forth, you're going to see different um, pigment settling, whether you're pushing or pulling the roller. And that's kind of what you're seeing is lots of roller start stops and roller lines. Um, it's an interesting photo. The client obviously wasn't happy with it. Um, whether the floor is functional is a different matter. So let's have a look at this post. Now, hopefully I've described that well enough. The actual workmanship in the photos doesn't look too bad. The floor looks reasonably flat. I'm looking at the reflections and it looks pretty flat. Um, the cut in looks tidy enough. The front edge to the transition to the driveway looks okay. I'm not sure I'm a fan of metallics in uh, garages unless you've got slip resistance because they can end up very slippery but the workmanship looks okay it's just really coming down to the design and that may be tied into the limitations of the resin so in this particular post I asked a question take a look at the photos of this metallic floor I guess we all have different interpretations of what a metallic design could look like what are your thoughts on this design the first contributor is Matthew Zemich. He's the director of concrete surfaces at Inside Edge in Illinois, USA. Over 15 years in the concrete flooring industry, most of it spent polishing and coatings uh, from sales right through to tech support. Matthew's comment is a slower curing resin or a thicker application. Make sure that it is poured onto the floor immediately and given ample amount of time to flow and move. I reply, thanks for your input, Matthew. It does look like the pattern is due to the lack of flow. Interesting that you mentioned thicker application as you certainly need enough of a build for resins to flow across itself and smooth out. Take care, Resin Jack. Next comment comes from Kelsey Batita. She's in applicator support at Westcote, uh, San Diego, USA with over five years in the industry, starting with sales, and she's now enjoying the role as an applicator support. Her comment is, maybe waited too long to back roll, touched it too many times with the roller. Makes for an interesting look, uh, looking texture though. I reply, thanks Kelsey. Interesting, can be good, but not always attractive enough to keep. Take care, Resin Jack. Uh, so already we've got a couple of different viewpoints there where perhaps the coating is applied too thin or um, what was the other point that Matthew made? 
yeah, needing a slower resin. So it's either gone off too quick or it's applied too thin, whereas Kelsey believes that it may be the right thickness, but they've waited for the resin to gel uh, to create an effect and then it hasn't allowed it to settle enough um, after re-rolling it. Both of those are quite valid. Now, before I comment too much on those two techniques or, or those scenarios, let's run through a few more contributions. Uh, Nathan Young is a managing director of Apex Epoxy Flooring in Brisbane, Australia, second generation installer with 10 years of running his own company. I've seen Nathan do quite a few metallics and his uh, comment is simply that looks horrible. I thank him for his comment. I know it's certainly not the type of design you would like to offer your clients. Roger Hildebrand is the CEO of Epoxy Solutions Inc. in Ontario, Canada. 38 years in the game, an expert painter and resin installer. He takes on the challenging floors and still hands-on too. His comment is simply um, the epoxy was too thin and cured or set up too fast. The roller markings did not flow out. So let's just have a bit of a, a recap on a couple of things there because um, there's, there's some really good points in there. So firstly, on the concept that the coating is applied too thin. So from my experience, some coatings need, you know, a millimeter to two millimeters before they will flow flat enough and, and have enough flow properties. It's quite typical of, of people that are using what I would call generic industrial resins, clear coats, mixing pigments into them and trying to use them as a metallic. They don't flow particularly well. They need to have a certain film build to flow properly. The flip side of that is there are some specialist decorative resins out there that only require 500 microns, like half a millimeter thickness in order to flow out flat. So the idea of thicker or thinner resin is with respect to the resin itself. So if it's formulated well and it's a, you know, a purpose or a customized decorative resin, then it could flow well at, you know, quite thin builds. Um, whereas it may not flow that well if it's not that style of resin. Slower curing resin is something that I am a fan of because it's, it's difficult to get a metallic floor, a decorative floor out and have the attention to detail to take your time and really make sure that it is right everywhere that you're moving. If you're trying to move too quickly because the resin's going to go off, well, then you run the risk of having misses and um, that's not good. The other thing I like about slower curing resins is even if you've worked the resin, meaning you've brushed it or rolled it or whatever it is, it's generally got time to soften. So you don't tend to see what, what are brush marks or roller marks. Now that could be the case here. And I'll describe one type of resin that is used for metallics where I think this type of result could take place. Um... Now that point that Kelsey makes is, is also a very legitimate one. So there are, there are resin installers out there that will apply the metallic 
I like the metallic resin and then wait for it to gel a bit and then go back on the floor and rework the floor. And they want it to, they want to rework it just when it's starting to gel so that it'll hold the metallic pigments in suspension and therefore not allow them to flow out totally and just create this dead looking, you know, totally even metallic finish like you might see on a car as an example. Metallic designs are typically wanting the, the depth without depth. They're wanting to create shadows and illusions and, and to you know, trick your eyes into seeing this really cool finish on the floor. And that means that you need the resin to either be able to hold the pigment in suspension or wait for the resin to gel enough and, uh, and then get off the floor and hope that you, you haven't waited too long. So that's what I think Kelsey's point is there. Uh, Nathan's uh, response is just purely uh, his own opinion. He, he thinks it's horrible. Uh, it's not my favourite either. Um, now, moving on to uh, the next contributor, it's Beli um, Carvinen. He's a consultant at Alberta, Canada, Senior Design Construction Development Manager in the Architectural and Construction Sector. Vila's uh, uh, comment is, I found that a three-part application works great. Base coat, then a gold metallic pearl epoxy finish with a high-performance satin top coat. Just make sure your concrete is ready for it. I reply, thank you, Vila, for your comment. I too am a fan of a satin or semi-gloss finishes. Full gloss is hard to get right, especially if the full gloss is thin film PU or polyaspartic. We can have a bit of a play with that for the moment because one of the photos shows you that it's, it is a gloss finish and um, gloss finishes can look magical when they're first done, but they also show you every imperfection and that imperfection can be because of, you know, your application technique the waves in the floor because the resin didn't flow or it can show you defects where hair has landed in the floor or bugs or um, whatever it may be, dust, airborne dust and so forth. So it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard to work with full gloss floors and um, they're generally less forgiving. And my point in there is that it's one thing to have an epoxy resin that's, let's say it's a millimeter thick and you've got dust or contamination or hair or something in a millimeter thick floor, it tends to get buried and encapsulated within the resin coat. But if you're only dealing with a thin film PU top coat or polyaspartic top coat, and it's only a hundred microns, you know, 0.1 of a millimeter, then there's there's not there's not really anywhere for the dust to hide. It tends to sit proud. Hairs tend to sit on the top, and um, so a full gloss PU or polyaspartic top coat is difficult to achieve. Uh, hence my, my sort of um, liking of the satin or semi-gloss finishes. The next comment comes from Tony Schwartz. He's an industrial flooring support in Rust-Oleum Cedartel, um, North Dakota, USA, over 18 years in the coatings industry, the last eight of which was focused in resin flooring. Tony's comment is, looks like resin not intended for metallic finish or a polyaspartic resin that wasn't applied 
irregularly. Metallics are a unique flaw that demand attention to detail and adequate time for successful results. I reply, thank you, Tony, for your comment. I think you said the magic words, attention to detail. So Tony touches on a couple of things there. Um, and I, I also um, sort of alluded to that a little earlier when I said that the resin may not be intended for metallic finishes. So as an example, a generic industrial epoxy doesn't flow well. It needs a higher film build in order to, to level by itself. So it could have been one of those types of resins that wasn't applied thick enough. Whereas if they'd chosen a specialist decorative resin, then it could well have flowed well and you wouldn't have seen any of those roller marks and roller start stops. Now, the other point that Tony touches on is, is what I wanted to raise as well is the the use of polyaspartic resins is, is something that has grown recently and quite popular for a lot of one-day systems. The problem with anything that is that fast is that it's not going to flow. It's not going to, like the brush marks and so forth, is not going to flatten itself out. So it's very difficult to use in metallic designs because it's likely to show you all sorts of things. Um, so that's a good point raised there by Tony. Um, Charles McGinley uh, is all is next to comment. He's a manager of Closet Art in Florida, USA. Over ten years in the resin flooring industry, with an eye for creative artistic designs. So it'd be good to just flesh out what he's got to say. For me, it's it's get the design in with the least amount of tool marks. I ask clients what they prefer and to show me what they've seen. Plus, I have a metallic folder of previous floors in my phone. I ask them if they like a lot of action in the art or a more subtle aesthetic. If by chance the metallics are making their way out the door, I usually have a dam set up or a tarp to catch the overflow and cut the excess when it dries. Trying to pull it back is a nightmare and can leave lots of tooling marks. Uh, I reply, thanks for sharing your experience, Charles. You raised some good points. Uh, Roger Hildebrand also comments on this particular thread and says, I like to offer my client a free complimentary accent color upgrade. So I think he's, okay, so let's just flesh that out a little bit. So Charles's point is, is a good one. So. Some clients like a really busy floor, a busy looking floor with lots of um, shadowing, lots of action, lots of blending and so forth. And if that is the type of floor, well then that's not far from what they got, except that it's straight lines. Straight lines never looks good on a metallic floor. It always has to be broken up. So even if you do a lot of action, your technique for blending has to not leave straight start stop lines. Uh, from my experience. So that's a good point there. Um, I find that lots of people, lots of clients, ooh and ah over really busy designs and really creative colors. But when it comes to residential applications like this one, they tend to choose the subtle aesthetics. So it makes sense to uh, err on the side of caution and think subtle rather than wild, unless the client has specifically asked for a wild uh, design. 
And Charles also touches on a couple of other challenges there. I think he's looking at that front edge on one of the photos and talking about if it's flowing out the door uh, or downhill, like these resins are self-smoothing and self-leveling to some degree, particularly if they're applied thick. So you have to either have a flat floor or you have to be able to control the resin when it's wanting to run out the door. And um, I think that's Charles's uh education there he's he's learnt the hard way and uh and now is prepared to share his knowledge roger's point about uh the complementary complementary accent color upgrade is that this looks like a single color metallic and sometimes with single color metallics you, you're trying to work them too much to create some kind of design you are it or it is pretty effective to have um, accent colors and these are two tones so my preference is a color tone that's similar to the actual color if it's too far apart it can look like spilt paint on the floor which isn't really a good look uh, in my opinion um, but having a two-tone a second tone means it's it's more forgiving you can have you, you don't have to work the floor as much you now have two colors that are creating some um, depth and some variation in the floor rather than you trying to create it from how you've worked the resin. So that's a good uh, additional comment there from Roger. Next comment comes from uh, Anthony DiGirolamo. DiGirolamo. He's in the resin flooring field. He's a resin flooring field manager at Sicker in Sydney, Australia. Nearly 20 years in the industry would have seen a lot of projects and problems in that time frame. Um, Anthony's comment is what I've learned over the years re metallic floors. One, a good leveling resin required. Two, the metallic layer needs to be at least 0.8 millimeters thick to allow movement. Three, the organic look is best achieved by consistent inconsistency. Mix it around, pour randomly, spread it randomly. Four magic trowels eliminate the roller line look. Turned upside down works best. Five manageable mix sizes applied and manipulated then left alone. Don't overdo it. Six less is best. The pictures Jack seem the pictures Jack seem like it could be a polyaspartic metallic even less time to play around and roller pattern hasn't had time to level. Best to use the slowest cure formulation when doing polyaspartic metallic. Again, small, regular, fresh mixes. Managing expectations is tricky with metallic floors. Each floor is bespoke and small application differences make huge changes. High subjectivity levels involved on what looks good and what looks gaudy. I reply to that great information and summary of metallics, Anthony. Um, Roger Hildebrand also chimes in and says, yes, a magic trail helps, but a good flowing long open epoxy is more important. All right, thanks Roger for the emphasis on open time. It's a key to softening any installation lines. I think the key benefit of the magic trail is also there also no risk of lint. Thanks again for your input. Now, Anthony's, uh, he raises some, some great comments or some great points there. He starts with a good leveling resin. That's kind of a given. He starts to talk about a thickness of 0.8 millimeters. Now, I wish I could work out 
what thickness that is in um, mils, but I can't, not, in the, not off the top of my head. Um, again, the thickness does, does depend on the resin. The idea of um, consistent, inconsistent, as in doing it randomly, is such a key point. And the example I use for people is think of, think of it like if you start with a pattern and you're working your way backwards, it's extremely hard to work around something. So as an example, if you're in a retail store and you've started creating this pattern and then you hit the island bench in the middle and you're trying to work your way around and keep that pattern, it's nearly impossible. You're much better off to start with a random approach uh, and deliberately mess it up, keep it random. And then that way it looks consistent everywhere on the floor. Uh, I am a big fan of magic trowels, which is uh, eliminating the roller lines. So magic trowels is how you can apply it without leaving straight lines by using your swiping action. The, the turning it upside down is an interesting point. Um, I think that comes down to the preference of the installer. I like the magic trowel used in the proper way by hand. The angles, when you put it on a pole, it doesn't really work like the angle that I think it's meant to work at. I think it's meant to work out of the hand or at least at that angle. So perhaps the angle is a little bit better when it's on a pole and you're working it upside down. Maybe that's what Anthony is talking about. Uh, manageable mix sizes is always the case. You always want to work with fresh product. It's much easier to do so. Um, left alone and don't overdo it. How true. So don't ever overwork the resin because you get to a point where it just doesn't want to move anymore. The final couple of points that Anthony makes is really good. Managing expectations is really the key to success when it comes to resin flooring with metallics. Um, I've, I am a fan of doing sample boards because it's probably one of the better ways of managing expectations. And I, I do sample boards out in a warehouse situation so that it can end up with some lint or some dust or something on it, some imperfections, so that when the client sees it, they're not seeing a perfect mirror finish on a sample board and then expecting their 200 square meter floor to be a perfect mirror finish. That would be very difficult. The other thing to remember about sample boards is you, you want to create the design as per the floor. So resist the idea of making small um, patterns and tight patterns on a sample board to make the sample board look cool you, because you'll never be able to do that on the floor. You're much better off to, to do large uh, format pattern and just take a section of it and put it on the sample board. Um, next comment, contribution, comes from Casey Ball. He's a global market director at Sherwin-Williams Flooring in Ohio, USA. Over 20 years in flooring, specializing in the food and beverage. Casey's comment is, we were making samples for an architect designer and the comment from the specifier was that the samples needed more, in inverted commas, organic movement closed uh, inverted commas. I'm not exactly sure what he what he wanted based on that comment, 
but illustrates the variability in a good metallic floor. I reply, thanks Casey for your input. Designing samples for specifiers can be a tough gig involving lots of playing and sample boards. I've not heard the term organic movement, but wanting a warmer design seems to be the most common request. Um, so the, the, I, I probably can elaborate a little bit more on both of those comments in there. So organic movement is what I now tend to refer more as marbling. And there are actually some resins out there um, where the resin has a certain amount of gelling properties to it. It's still self-smoothing, but it has just enough gelling properties in it so that it can hold the pigment in suspension. That means that when you're, when you're applying it, you can work it, and as you then move on, it doesn't let the pigments totally drop out. You tend to see more of that movement in the pigments. And I think that's what they're talking about, the organic movement, the natural flowing movement. Uh, when it comes to warmer designs, it often happens when people, what they're, what they're actually talking about from a flooring installer's point of view is they're wanting more of a brown or tan undertone to it. It, it can look too black and white or too um, black and white and gray blend. And uh, it, it looks cold in that scenario. Whereas if you start to get some brown undertone happening, it starts to look warmer. Uh, and I have to say, I learned that term the hard way. Um, but eventually you, you start to grasp what it is that people are after and, uh, and you, you can customize pigments and the feel of a floor to, to create that. Next comment comes from Amy Dawson. She's the paint lady in Grafton, Australia with a solid background in teaching. Amy has found a passion in the paint industry focusing on consumer education and training. Amy's comment is they didn't shut their eyes and make random swishy patterns before moving on to the next section and then overlap their sections with more wildly swishy patterns before moving along again. Uh, and she writes in brackets, this is my advice for novice metallic users regarding their pattern. There is a clear mimed demo of what I mean that happens at the same time as I explain how to do it. Okay, sorry, Amy. Uh, so yeah, she's, she's obviously showing with uh, a lot of hand actions what that wild swishy patterns looks like. So bear with me as I'm reading this grammatically challenging sentence. Um, And yes, you're making the point that these, these hand actions won't be attached here, but you can only imagine what I look like from afar when I'm selling epoxies and uh, a smiling emoji follows her comment. And I mean, any time that you're trying to explain something to someone who doesn't understand your description, then it always, always, always is a lot of hand actions. And, um, and she's trying to explain it to a DIYer type of person, how to do metallics and that can be a challenge. There's a lot to talk about and that can be a challenge. All right, thanks for your comment, Amy. Random is definitely good compared to trying to produce a consistent pattern. In this case, I think they were going for random, but the pigments did not get to flow and soften out. Christopher Stinnett is the next to comment. 
He's a vice president of Senior Life Insurance Company, Kentucky, USA. A recent move into insurance does not detract from Christopher's track record with epoxies over the past 10 years. Uh, Christopher's comment is, floor was too hot and they got onto it too late. Happens, easy fix with the screen and recoat. I reply, thanks for your input, Christopher. I can relate to dark base coats holding heat and affecting cure rates of metallic coat. It might be an easy fix, but it tends to be an expensive way to pay for your education. Uh, Christopher chimes in, 30 to 50 percent, uh, 30 to 50, sorry, 30 to 50 cents per foot to fix. Not bad if you ask me. Mistakes happen. Sometimes we use the wrong product on the job. Metallics works best with a low viscosity that has an air release to level out the resin. I reply, fair comment, Christopher. Thanks again for your input. It's always appreciated. So there is a point in there which hasn't been touched on yet, and that is that um, with metallics, to get the metallic to pop the most, to get the most colour and luster out of metallics, you tend to use dark base coats, and black is the most common. Now, anytime that you have a black floor that's subject to, um, you know, UV or light, it tends to absorb and hold the heat the longest. So if you're doing a metallic floor, you're best to, to black out any windows um, and close doors and so forth so that your floor isn't absorbing the heat and then staying hot while you're trying to put your resin out because that can make a huge difference to the working time of the resin. And you really want it to be slow and have plenty of time to settle out. And so that's a great point raised by Christopher. As far as the easy fix meaning to uh, you know, screen is a type of sandpaper, uh, like a, <coughs> it actually looks like a fly screen, but it's abrasive, and recoat. Well, I don't know about the cost that he's talking about, 30 cents to 50 cents per foot to fix, but um, you know, maybe it's a two millimeter resin that you need to apply over the top of it. I don't know if that costs 30 to 50 cents, but it perhaps depends on the resin. But his point is it's fixable, so you know it's not the end of the world. It's not a bad way to learn. Josh Jones is next to chime in. He's the president of Substrate Technologies, Inc. in Illinois, USA. Um, for those of you who have listened to the podcast before, you'll know he's got over 29 years of hands-on experience in the concrete prep and polishing. Josh has a lot of valuable insights, is my sort of take on it, and he's prepared to share them. And um, that truly is his best trait, is he constantly posts videos and shares his experience and even though he's come from a lot of prep background uh, he does a lot of coding work these days and shares his experience with coding so a good person to look up and um, and monitor his posts josh's comment is good post jack the application method has so much to do with how metallic will ultimately look your pick shows one that has been manipulated by a roller, perhaps a little too late, or its viscosity didn't allow the placement marks to settle out. It's a good reminder that metallics take practice and discipline. Thanks for the good post. And I reply, thanks for your input, Josh. Always appreciate it. Take care, Resin Jack. So yeah, I, 
there, there could be a bit of that going on too where metallics metallics in our industry they you know there's a bunch of youtube videos out there where people are doing metallics and it all looks easy on youtube i say that all the time it always looks easy on youtube and people will show you how the colors all blend and all of those things and it always looks easy but in practice it's not so easy and you only need a defect before you have to redo the top coat again you only need something to be a problem in the wrong area like right in the entrance way or something like that and now you've got a seamless floor where the whole floor needs to be redone again you only need a doorway to be a door to be opened and the dust to have sucked its way onto the floor to now have a situation where you're being asked by the client to recoat the whole floor so josh's point is key that it takes practice and discipline to do metallic floors and perhaps this is an example of someone who saw a floor done on youtube thought it looked easy, bought some resin, bought some metallic powders, put it down and it didn't behave the way they thought and it created some chaos. I don't know whether they got paid for this job or not. All I know is the client is asked to remove it and put down a different floor finish. The uh, next comment comes from Ashley Horton Bailey from JMS Lincoln Limited in Cardiff, Wales, UK. He's a resin flooring site supervisor for the past five years, specialising in anti-skid surfacing. And interestingly enough, Ashley touches on that subject there. He says, I hope the client didn't actually pay for this. That's all I can really say. All right, thank you, for you Ashley, for your comment. I do wonder if the client initially thought it looked good or what they thought they wanted. In that case, they would have to have been paid. This could have been a case of regret after purchase. Clients are not always happy to talk about prior choices. So just on that, that handover process, I'm not saying that this is a good or bad flaw, I have my opinion about it, but that handover process is really critical. And what I mean by that is when the client is first walking around on the floor, you're with them, and you're making sure that they're happy and it's handed over properly. You're describing and you're providing them with maintenance documents, with a warranty statement, and you're making sure that they are happy with it. I encourage anyone who's doing metallic floors to be there on the job site when the client first looks at the floor. Don't just, um, you know, because it's a bit of travel time, don't just not go there. Be on the floor at that time or you run a risk of not knowing whether the client is truly happy or not. And the worst scenario I find is you think that the client is happy because they haven't actually talked to you about it. They, You know, the silence or the no, no news is good news mentality sort of creeps into your head. But they only need one neighbour who comes and has a look at the floor that doesn't like it and starts to pick at it and pull it apart. And that can be enough for the client to now not be happy with it or to question whether they actually got the value or not. So that handover process, I believe is critical and even more critical when it comes to metallics. The next comment comes from Martin Hargreaves. He's the business owner, uh, well, he's a self-employed floor layer in Holland's UK. It's coming up to 20 years in the industry, and I dare say that's a lot of square meters. 
Uh, Martin's comment is you need an artistic flair to really get the best from that system. Uh, I reply, thanks, Martin, for your input. I think artistic flair is important, but I do wonder if the resin set a bit too quick in this case. And Martin replies, or oh, the floor technician didn't get it down fast enough, LOL. Um, Martin, I think, is is certainly an industrial resin floor layer. So uh, I do tend to categorize resin floor layers into one of two buckets. And the guys that are good at industrial floors may not be good at the uh, slower attention to detail decorative floors. The industrial guys are built for speed. They're able to crunch out many meters and they might not be as patient as they need to be when it comes to doing these decorative finishes that are very much about getting the transitions spot on, getting the finishes spot on. And I think that's exactly what Martin is raising there is he's calling it an artistic flair, but um, when you look, when you sort of drill down into it, it's often that willingness to slow down and get the attention to detail spot on. Uh, Stephen Hagar is next to comment. He's a technical manager. He keeps calling himself retired, but he is a silverback for the Resin Flooring International. He's in Gainsborough, UK. And I tell the story that I first remembered when Stephen was going to retire and I reached out to him and, and uh, asked him whether he'd be a silverback. And, you know, silverback is our affectionate term for the guys that have been in the industry a long time and have learnt the lessons, you know, often 20 years ago. Um, if we don't learn those lessons and, and actually pass on our knowledge, then all we find is that the next generation just repeats the same dumb mistakes that were made 20 years ago. And we don't actually evolve as an industry. We don't actually grow. We just cycle and keep repeating the same, same. And uh, Stephen is particularly of interest because we need people like him that have the knowledge from both sides of the desk, the manufacturing, the technical support, side and then also he's been involved with the installation of the resin flooring 40-year veteran and i'm glad that he's a mentor with rfi stephen's comment is i like to see metallic with a lot of color and designer input all right thanks stephen for your comment it's funny you make that point from my experience people remember you from the amazing designs and vivid colors but most clients choose soft and subtle designs and I made that point earlier, and it particularly applies to residential. Stephen's experience may well be in, say, retail or commercial, where you can, you know, people do want an artistic license and, and creativity and want this floor to really blow and ping and, and look sensational. Whereas in the residential, it's more about, it tends to be more about how do I deliver a really classy, modern finish that is soft and subtle and is totally seamless throughout all of the rooms and in and out of every cupboards and is just one big sheet of, of this metallic finish. So that's that's my, my experience there. And you can see it's really two angles. One is uh, the retail commercial side and the other angle is residential. Now, Yusef is next to comment. Yusef Yagana. Damn, I butchered that, Yusuf. My apologies. Now, he's giving us the end user's perspective. And he says, am I a bad person because I think it looks cool? 
And uh, I reply, each to each to their own opinion, Yusuf. Perhaps it might even grow on you if you looked at it every day. Um, and he replies back saying, do you have an example of what you think is a really good one? A, a metallic look, I mean. And I did actually include a link to a bunch of metallic floors and they're all done by uh, tradespeople in the industry that are experienced. Um, goes on to say, thanks for these. Some are, some are stunning. What sort of life expectancy do you have on average? And are repairs, etc. straightforward? Thinking of my garage. Now, I, I chose, I said, probably best to send you a message so this post thread does not lose its purpose. But it's worth just touching on those couple of points, if I may. So, um, obviously, we'd, I'm not sharing the photos of the other posts, but there's lots of beautiful metallic floors out there. If you're wanting to see the same ones, then let me know and I'll send you the same link. Life expectancy. So, the... I talk about life expectancy in residential because it's it's kind of an interesting area and I take it as a comparison with other floor finishes and I don't know too many people that show me their 20-year-old tiles and say, wow, have a look at these tiles. They're 20 years old. Can you tell? Like they look fantastic, right? Like it's just not what happens. So there's the life expectancy tends to be more about decor than wear through. If the floor is laid properly you, you, and it has the right sort of film build, then you're not likely to wear through it in a residential application. It's more about it, it looks dated. It, it's out with a decor or they've changed their colour scheme. You know, like that's the classic change, you know, repaint one wall and suddenly you're re repainting your house and you putting in new carpets and new resin floors and whatever else as well. So life expectancy is, is more to do with uh, decor and you changing your decor than wear through, if it's a decent resin. Now, when it comes to repairs, repairing a seamless floor by <clears throat> definition is, is not easy um, because there's no seams in it. It's not like a tile where you can just uh, cut out one tile and replace it. But there are ways and means of doing repairs that can be concealed, that can still look okay, that, you know, maybe the repair is in an area where it's inconspicuous or maybe the surface finish, sorry, the the top coat finish on it is a semi-gloss or, semi, uh, or a satin finish. And that tends to conceal repairs as well. Uh, Darren Smith is a regular contributor to this podcast. He's a consultant at uh, Whitney in Whitney, UK. Over 38 years of broad experience with screeds, resins, cementitious flooring and polished concrete. Darren's comment is simply, if you have nothing good to say, then say nothing. And um, there was a lot of likes under his particular comment. So I dare say a lot of people have seen this image and not thought that that was a good metallic flooring design. Now, Chris Anderson is a director of Waterstop Solutions. Um, Chris's comment, sorry, uh, let me just backtrack a bit. He brings along an impressive 25 years of industry experience being engaged in various senior technical roles within the construction 
product manufacturing industry. Chris's comment is, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, and this isn't pretty to me, but the asset owner may love it. Thanks, Chris, for your thoughts. I say I totally agree with your comment. In this case, the client asked to remove and install a new floor, so perhaps the beholder was also not wrapped in the design. Jose Fragachan also chimes in, and I hope I didn't butcher that, Jose. He's the business manager of PFS Group in Victoria, Australia. Uh, broad experience in the construction industry uh, here and also overseas. And uh, Jose's comment is, or Jose, his comment is, agree. Not my favourite, but each person have different tastes. For me, it looks like a concrete trowel finish with a gloss epoxy coating. And that's probably not a bad way to describe it. I, I reply, thanks for your input, Jose. I too did think about how this type of look could be achieved. The obvious answer is a top coat was gelling as it was applied by a roller. But I think you could also do it by manipulating the base coat to have a texture pattern and then apply a metallic over the top. The look would be a bit different to the one in the photo, but interesting to ponder. Thanks for the different angle on the post. So that just sort of opens up a, a door that's um, is worth covering. So we've talked here about the metallic as though this roller pattern is all in the finish coat. And I do think it is. I do think that it's the finish coat that didn't behave itself. But it can be, if you're familiar with metallics, what happens is the metallics are normally uh, a powder, a flaky powder material that you put into a clear resin. So when, and a low viscosity clear resin at that, so what happens is that as the powders settle, they float down and they settle on whatever the surface texture is. So if the base coat was applied in a haphazard roller pattern kind of way and it's a textured base coat and you put down your metallics on top, then they're going to float down and sit down and follow all of those ridges and give you a visual of all of those ridges and ups and downs. And it... it in this case, it's not ideal if that's what's happened and it doesn't look attractive. But keep that in mind that texturing the base coat can create some wonderful designs. And I've been a part of, you know, we used to call them wicked moose and, and lunar landscapes and all sorts of things that create terrific designs by manipulating the base coat to have some texture. Um, so that was the point there. Uh, Michael Durra chimes in. He's next to comment. And Michael is also a, a frequent podcast contributor. He's a business owner at Queensland Regional Flooring in Outback Queensland, Australia. He's an experienced floor layer, including carpet, vinyl, and timber finishing. And more recently, he moved into polished concrete and resin flooring. He now owns and operates a floor covering retail outlet. Michael's comment is, I only do the easy stuff, but this is probably how bad a metallic would look if we did it. I've said enough. Um, all right, all right, back. Uh, thank you, Michael. Even easy stuff is difficult until you know how best to do it. I do think metallics is a special area that requires particular attention to detail. 
Josh Jones chimes into that thread and says, well said. Um, Michael Fiorini, who you uh, have probably also come across before, he's a president of Firm Foundations Flooring Co. in Ohio, USA. Over 10 years as a business owner in the resin flooring industry, and he has a business management degree to boot. And Michael's comment is, for us, metallic floors are always a crapshoot. Uh, there's so many elements and variations that come into play, but when it comes into overall design, everybody has their own technique. In this case, I feel like the picture, like in the pictures, they spent way too much time with a roller. You should only irregularly roll real quick and get out of it judging by the finish there it looks like it was probably hot so the material was flashing off we squeegee all our floors and don't even introduce a roller into the equation anymore for this reason i heard this from a buddy recently and it makes perfect sense even for our business if 80 percent of your problems are 20 percent of your work get rid of it and metallics always always been that 80 percent problematic issues for us they turn out great most of the time, but customer expectations, no matter how you present them, um, no matter how you present them to be and not to expect the perfect floor from Pinterest and always gets picky after finish. Sorry to be long-winded. This has just been a heavy topic for our company and others lately. Now, we're going to finish on that comment and I'll just flesh it out a little bit because Michael's point comes from personal pain of doing metallic floors. And it's what I alluded to a little earlier. Metallic floors is something, is one of those things where I was genuinely smiling when I was doing it. It was, it was so enjoyable to watch these colors pop and to see that all being manipulated. Very exciting, very you know, and I've shot training videos where I, I couldn't stop smiling when I was doing it as well. So it, it's very satisfying to actually do it. But the problem is they're very susceptible to defects. And if you get caught out on something, and it can be your base coat isn't quite right, it can be things that are out of your control. But the end result um, can be that the client isn't happy. And you could have taken every precaution, the client's still not happy. You could have taken every precaution and you could have done the, the colors and blended the colors just like you had imagined that you should do it in order for the client to be happy and they're still not happy. So it, it's one to manage the expectations of the client. It's one to realize that it's not for everybody. Like metallic floors is not for everybody. And I can't emphasize that point enough. If you're going to do it, then become well-educated in it, practice a lot, and then understand that you're going, to, you're going to have some tough jobs along the way. If you become very good at it and you have excellent attention to detail, you'll get a lot of satisfaction out of it. But, you know, as in Michael's case, he's decided that 80% of his problems is coming from only 20% of his work and is it worth doing the metallic side if it creates most of your problems? In his case, he's starting to realize that it probably isn't. And there's nothing wrong with saying that this isn't really what I do and I'm better off to focus on what I should be doing. Because at the end of the day, for a resin flooring installer, this is the livelihood as well. 
an excellent post on on metallic designs it's not going into anything other than just covering some of the aspects that you see when it comes to metallic floors and uh, these particular photos and the comments and contributions from everybody was was fantastic a lot of great knowledge there i hope you enjoyed today's podcast and you found it valuable and in, and informative this podcast was brought to you by Resin Flooring International. So go to their website, resinfloor.org. That's resinfloor.org. And you'll be able to see a post that has the corresponding images and also the profiles of the different contributors that were mentioned in this podcast. So as always, I'm Resin Jack. Take care and keep smiling.